So Evan, let me tell you a little story, if you will. A guy shows up late for work. The boss yells at him, you should have been here at 8.30. The guy says, why? What happened at 8.30? <laughs> now that is, <laughs> that, might, that might not seem funny, but that is, according to metro.co.uk, one of the 10 funniest jokes ever, parentheses, according to science. So I'm not gonna take any arguments. That is one of the 10 funniest jokes ever. <laughs> yeah? You agree. Okay. You agree that it is one of the funniest jokes ever. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not bad, yeah. It's, it, it solely, it's all about the delivery. Because when I was mm -hmm. in middle school, my favorite joke that my friend would tell me was, um, two men walked into a bar You'd think the second one would have ducked, uh, and it's just it's it has to be like punchy enough, and then it catches you off guard. I'm gonna this is this is tried and true humor. So the criticism that we've recently gotten that our intros aren't funny enough, I will expect apology emails to come after this yeah. episode. All of that being said, welcome. This is Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast with funny intros, starting today. <laughs> yes. A podcast with funny intros, hosted by two best friends talking about their favorite meddling kids. His name is Luke. His name is Evan. We are the dudes. Uh, welcome. This week, we are going to be covering a pup named Scooby-Doo. Uh, we're returning to it. Welcome back, 90s. Uh, specifically, Season 2, Episode 5, Night of the Living Burger. Night of the Living Burger. Would we like to give just a brief uh, synopsis right ahead of time? The premise, if you will? Yeah. Do you have one ready? <laughs> I do indeed. Um, in this episode of A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, O'Greasy, the owner of the local burger house, is being haunted by the burger monster who wants him out of business. So he hires the Scooby-Doo detective agency to find out why he's being haunted. Meanwhile, Shaggy and Scoopy are not talking to each other. And that's right, it's Shaggy and Scoopy this episode. I didn't misspeak. Scoopy replaces Scooby for this episode only. Wow, you... I was hoping you might roast me there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm like a piece of Wagyu beef left on the stove. Turn up the heat, man. Luke, you're flinching. You are towering. <laughs> Hurts to swing and miss this bad. <laughs> Ouchie, wah, wah. Hi. Okay. All right. Um, we're almost ready to end the intro, dear listeners. But we're still going. Why? Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all in the intro, man. We're not stopping. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just dicking around trying to figure out how we dive into the episode. Or, no, no, no. Or I, put I a bow on the intro. Good. I think that's a good place to cut okay. it, actually, to, to cut into the theme song. Yes, I just need to... I just want to bring up one thing so that I'm not clicking around that, later in the That's episode. exactly what I'm trying to do. I realize that I have two windows, each with like four tabs. Yeah, I just have one and tab I, that I need. I want to have one. Okay, um, now I'm almost ready to end the intro. Okay, no, our, our and intro is we'll done. The theme song. Our intro's done. <laughs> two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Welcome back from the intro. Yes, welcome back. Right off the bat, this episode... I I had the same feeling now that I can imagine I would have felt if I'd seen this as a child. 
Ooh, what feeling would that have been, little Evan? I'll speak to you now as if you were little Evan, because it's the same as you say. Yeah, this is a norm. That's a normal way for a twenty-seven-year-old man to speak hey. to a child. Hey, come on, little buddy. Hop on my knee. Tell me about this episode. How did it make you feel? Um, I watched. It was. It was shows. So one example would be Rocco's Modern Life. Um, some episodes of Cow and Chicken, mm. and then also like Alice in Wonderland. I don't know Alice in Wonderland that you're talking about, but I would agree with Cow and Chicken. I would agree with Rocco's Modern Life. I will throw in the mix Cat Dog. Oh, interesting. Which has a feeling of existential pessimism and perhaps grotesqueness. <laughs> uh, I, I throw Alice in Wonderland in, in the mix because it has this surreal quality. And I remember watching some of these shows or movies as a kid and feeling like uncomfortable, feeling like I I didn't like the lack of I think security that was present in in what whatever it was I was watching. It didn't have a structure. It's an almost not quite physical kind of nauseousness, nausea, and a not quite physical nausea. I used to feel at stuff like this. And uh, what was that one? We're back, the dinosaur movie. Ooh. It's again. It it falls in uncanny valley in a place that's neither. It's not funny. It's too scary as a kid and as an adult it's just kind of uncomfortable it's uncomfortable i i so i i felt discomfort watching it now uh a few hours before we started recording and i w- mm-hmm. would have felt that same discomfort as a child and so i'm excited to do this episode because i can talk about the things i liked but also about the things i disliked see i'm excited to talk about this episode because i watched a lot of stuff like this as a kid and i didn't have the tools i think to dissect it and to say why i think it didn't work Maybe I don't have the tools now either, but um, I'm, I'm interested to talk about what's not working here. So for our listeners who don't, we, we didn't really say this at the top, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo is obviously about Scooby-Doo as a puppy and the gang as children. It's, uh, it's shot in the 90s, or it was created in the 90s. It's kind of uh, placed a little earlier, maybe in the 1960s, 1970s. Uh, 1989 is when this episode was released. I think they're still aiming for that time frame are they it's got a kind of doo-woppy feel it, for some of the episodes that i think it's it was a little retro i think at 1989 when this came out so we've got like two layers of dated that this is on which it leads me to want to give a little bit of grace but i don't think there's enough grace to give to make this a good episode so things things start off uh they're children so this doesn't have some of the s- sexiness that it might <laughs> were they were they maybe like a decade up um a i'm gonna disagree evan i think it's every bit as steamy okay. as it would be you normally dig your own grave and then i don't think it's steamy normally i don't think it's normally okay. hot so let me let's let's say what i what we're talking about um this episode begins with a co-ed sleepover yeah it it does um, it begins with the Blake limo. I believe it's Daphne Blake's limo pulling It, it up. has to be Daphne's, yeah. She, I think this episode is really leaning into her coming from money. Her limo pulls up. She gets out of it along with Velma, and she's bragging about how expensive her bathrobe or her nightgown is. Yeah, she's looking to show it off. And so, yeah, the, the co-ed sleepover is something that, I mean, 
I don't think I ever had. I don't think I was ever young enough for that. <laughs> I think my only co-ed, my only co-ed sleepover was the incubator next to maybe another a girl's incubator. Yeah. I, I love the idea that you were you were never young enough. <laughs> you you Benjamin buttoned. <laughs> there was there was no point at which I was innocent enough. Yeah, I came out smoking a cigarette, wearing a leather jacket. The other parents were like, "Keep that baby away from my little precious girl." <laughs> that is a virile baby. But no, oh. like, I... But I, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, like, it, maybe it's just my upbringing, but, like, I never had co-ed sleepovers, no matter how young we're imagining these kids are. I, I had a few when I was in the uh, 7 to 9 range. Oh, dang, Evan! Player? Oh, boy, you're gonna let me... <laughs> Just gonna let me edit that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, the the hmm. gang they're they're in a living room as is uh, normal. One thing I do want to mention, which is what I think lends this a very surreal, unrealistic quality, is that this is a this is a co-ed sleepover. Um, none of these children are siblings. They're all from different families. But there are no parents in this episode. There's no adults, not even referenced in this episode. Like, I'm so glad all of our parents could um, set this up. Like, just some kind of reference to authority, which you might think for a show that's aimed at a younger generation of kids than I think even the typical episode of Scooby Doo. It's it's weird that like Daphne and Velma show up at the front door and um, Mrs. Rogers isn't there and being like, "Oh, hello! Like, come in! Like, the boys are in the living room." What's weirder to me is that in a minute, Mr. O'Greasy is going to show up and, and call for call upon their services. And there's, again, no reference to any authority figure for any of these children. You might think between four of them and a dog, but that is skipping ahead. For the moment, we're, we're watching... Now, before we're even watching TV, let's get to what I mentioned in the premise. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are fighting. Um, and it is not explained what they're fighting about. They're just like, they have some minor beef with one another, and it's... And this was one thing I did like, and it's the sort of thing mm-hmm. where um, the conflict conflict between them is such that if Shaggy is going to do something, Scooby no longer wants to do that thing. Like they can't share any interests, any mm. any actions. They that's such as their uh, their mistrust of one another. Yeah, they they can't be productive teammates even because every time they're set to a task, one of them will say, "I'll do it. I won't do it if he's doing it." Well, I'm not doing. It, what you mentioned, we never find out what they're fighting about, and there's no reference to it backwards either. For me, that presented as a problem in this episode. What do you think? Or did you just kind of like, you took that in stride, and it's like, hey, we don't need to know. Interesting. I saw that as being the expected punchline. I think when it came to this era of um, children's media, and I think it would still be um, popular nowadays, is there's like a big fight... And it's so involved, it's so long-running, that by the time it gets to the end, neither party can remember what they were arguing about to begin with. And I was just like, there it is. That's that's what happens. Uh, see, I did not anticipate it. I was baited the entire time. You're a sucker. I'm, I was a sucker, yeah. Oh, buy me for a nickel at the candy store and lick me to my core. I'm a sucker. Just a little lollipop. <laughs> okay. I know um, you like that present day Evan, but what did you think, little boy Evan? What did you think about that joke? I think little little boy Evan needs an adult. Not you. An adult who isn't you. Sorry, this is a pup named Scooby-Doo. There's no adults in this episode. That is what it is. Um, for me, I really wanted to know, 
And the reason I'm telling you listeners now that we're never going to find out what the beef was, was that I waited the whole episode to find out, and I actually was really disappointed not to know. And I, I question even now, what? why is that? Is this unreasonable of me? I don't know. I, I'm actually legitimately surprised, because I think it's such, it's so strong a trope that I, I could not see it going any, any other way. Um, we're here, we're at the sleepover, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are, are bickering on the couch. They say they're not going to watch the same TV, so Shaggy brings up his own little TV, Scooby wheels in a bigger one. They're watching their favorite show, um, and let's talk about this a little bit. They f- their favorite show is <clears throat> Count Shockula. And and as as our Western listeners, I do not know. Actually, a bunch of our listeners are listening from Japan at least last week, in... or have VPNs. Sure, but but Count Chocula is um, vampire themed chocolate cereal. Count Chocula is. Count Chocula. And even now, I can't tell what you're saying. Okay, they say Count Chocula throughout this entire episode. Do they, they say, say Chocula? I can't tell. They say it seems like they say Chocula, but. Is it? Do they do they spell it out on the show? They do. Or am I just reading the wiki? They, they do, do spell it out on the show. See, listeners, uh. what what will be revealed later is that um, it is in fact Shockula. Shockula. And I don't know if we were supposed to know that from the start. Were we? How's that played even? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Count Chocula. I was like, okay, well, interesting. I didn't know that there was like a Hanna Barbera tie-in. You know, like um. What, what's the cereal company? I don't know. It's I don't know if it's Kellogg's. General Mills. General Mills. That is the one. I didn't know that there was hmm. like a Hanna Barbera, like General Mills, like collab. Like, how are they gonna play this? But then I was like, Count Chocula. Okay, the the person who appears on TV is a uh, is an African American vampire. Yes. And then I was like, Count Chocula. Hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Well, it's just like, I mean, Count Count Chocula, which sounds like okay. It sounds like Chocula. It, it's it's indistinguishable. Even when I say it, I can't tell the difference. So count so ra- the dicey racial politics aside. Yeah, it, and, and really quick, he's played by James Avery, who is Uncle Phil in uh, French Prince, Fresh Prince, uh, French Prince <laughs> of Bel Air, <laughs> and also French Prince of Bel Air appears like, on this series. The theme song in French, but like my French is so bad, it would be like <laughs> don't don't. Philadelphia West, uh, and I don't I don't know how to say born and raised. Yeah, but it's I mean it's uh, I I like that they used an African American uh, voice actor for it. I think that's great. That dude has a really extensive. Uh, he was or I don't know how extensive he was. Shredder on Teenage Mutant Ninja. Oh yeah, Girls. that's true. That's a an even better reference for some people probably. And he also voices a person on the new Scooby Doo Mysteries. So, I I I've been mentioning this this surreal feeling, this feeling of discomfort, uh, and, and it's it starts to become exacerbated here um, once a commercial, once there's a commercial break on the show. Yes, the, and the commercial break is for Mr. O'Greasy's Burger Hut. Uh, it's it's he runs... O'Greasy's Bucket O'Fun Restaurant. <sighs> it makes me feel sick. So, it's a commercial that Mr. O'Greasy, I assume, has signed off on, and this is not a health inspector who's bust in with a web with a, a cell phone camera. He's he's hawking his latest product. It's a bucket of o cheese, um, <clears throat> and and Mr. O'Greasy, for I'm gonna describe him one way, and then if you could mm. sort of like actually describe him, for our our listeners who read comic books, 
he looks like a human version of Mojo, the X-Men villain. He looks like Tweedledee or Tweedledum from like the Batman animated series. That's a good one. I, I'm going to read the Scooby-Doo wiki of verbatim because it's simply a very good description. Mr. Perfect. O'Greasy is an obese, middle-aged, Caucasian male who has lost the hair off the top of his head while the rest of it is brown. He has flies swarming around his head. And that is Mr. O'Greasy. Perpetually. And it's not just that the flies are always there. That's not really what bothered me. What bothered me is that they're always buzzing. It's like anytime Mr. O'Greasy is on screen, there's just a little guy in your ear. He's, he's like he's like a child that people on TV ask you to donate money to. <laughs> you know what? If it were a small disadvantaged child in that same exact scene, I would donate money in a heartbeat because this is this is tragic. And in fact, it makes me see Mr. O'Greasy in a different light. No, no, I don't actually. This is his business. He's disgusting. He's so it's, gross. Well, no, just the fact that this is the commercial and it's... It's it's filmed like a snuff film. It's filmed like a snuff film. Like, this looks like a crime scene. <laughs> you know, like in The Dark Knight when the Joker has that... He's like, I'm filming for, for like Bruce Wayne and everyone. He's he's going to kill that guy. That's oh, yeah. what it looks like. That, that, that grainy handheld quality. Oh, uh, it's so terrible. And... One of the things that makes this episode so difficult is I can't tell where I'm supposed to be weirded out, where I'm supposed to laugh, and what I'm supposed to take as normal. Because a giant hamburger shows up within the commercial. Mr. O'Greasy kind of plays it like it might be part of the commercial, and the gang reacts in another way. It, none of it lines up. There's no base reality here. This, this burger monster, which is contrary to expectation, this is Night of the Living Hamburger, it's not like a zombie-esque monster. It's, it's a large burger mm -hmm. um, with six legs, three on each side. They sort of work like Squidward's legs, if that makes sense. Like Squidward has four, but they work like normal feet. Yeah, I, I had, imagine a crab was the size of a Volkswagen, but it had a hamburger bun for a shell, and its mouth was always gaping wide open, full of lettuce and a few tomatoes. Yeah, and, and a little bit of red onion, which I thought was a nice detail, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right, a little red onion. And it had fangs, of there course. sharp teeth, but no burger, notably. Yeah. And I kind, yeah. Of, liked, I kind of liked the idea. I had a headcanon mm -hmm. that um, it, it, it is a burger without the meat in it. So it's trying to eat people, so it has that meat on the inside. Oh, you know, that but that really redeems it in part for me. Not the execution of it, because I don't like the look of it. I don't think that's a success. But I like the idea of it. So the hamburger appears. Mr. O'Greasy is kind of, like, skeeved out by it, but kind of treats it like it's part of the commercial. Scooby and Shaggy are terrified, but Fred says, oh, that burger wouldn't want to mess with us, as if Fred thinks it's real despite of how it's playing out on screen, then things go really farther sideways. So this is another thing I like, and it's going to keep popping up, but for O'Greasy, the one thing I like about him is there's a gag where everything for him is in buckets. So he has he has a bucket of cash, and the burger monster takes that bucket and and runs away with it. So he's he's robbed O'Greasy. And then... And then... It starts to come out of the television like it's Samara from The Ring. Exactly that. It crawls out of the television to scare everyone. And if you're thinking, oh man, we've got a Ring-themed episode or something, first of all, no, that came out after. And second of all, this isn't a power of the burger. This isn't a part of the episode. It's a, it's a completely standalone scare here in the intro. Which is part of what's so wacky about this episode. You actually never know for sure what is supposed to be 
actually real and frightening. Yeah, and what's just a, a silly gag. And previously we've seen in this series that they have a lot of elasticity with the animation, and they do a lot of visual animation-related gags. But this is kind of beyond that. This is talking about the physics of the world. Um, so as a reminder to... Well, as a reminder to those who have been listening for a while and to tell um, listeners who aren't familiar with this show, the Fred on this show is someone who I call Tin Hat Freddy, uh, or Tin Foil Hat Freddy. Uh, and the reason for that is he is a conspiracy theorist, essentially. He he reads tabloids and he believes them, and he's kind of wacky. Um, and it's it's a really... Co- compare him to, like, Fred from Mystery Incorporated who loves traps. I, I like it. I like that um, perspective on, on the, his character. I like that this is how he begins getting into mysteries, because I think that is probably a lot of people's pathway into mysteries as you start believing the less plausible ones before you get to the more realistic ones. Um, let's go through the characters real quick and say what the pup named Scooby-Doo versions are like. For one thing, they're all voiced by new people, with the exception of Shaggy, who is still Casey Kasem. Shaggy looks like Shaggy. Daphne looks on model, a little chibi style. The, the thing that I find worth noting is that Velma is an extra young version of herself here. Um, I believe one of our listeners told us that she's, I think, two years younger than everyone else. And since they're children, that's significant. That makes a big difference. So she's almost mute in this series. I I kind of speculated that maybe them making her younger was a way of kind of withholding a little bit of power from her because she's obviously the smartest one and that would make a big difference. So making her younger is the way of equal, to equalize it. This is actually a really excellent segue because we've sort of highlighted their ages. Mm-hmm. But they can't be older than like... 12 right like if freddy's the oldest he can't be older than 12 oh, 12 is a high ball I'm it might be say. generous so like 10 maybe right yeah or or maybe even young well 10 let's say he's 10 i i would i would guess that he's or, pretty young i'd say 10 um, so, maybe even nine well, I, I don't know how old kids are the, all of these children all none of them are in their tweens actually no they're, they're, they're definitely yeah, like pre-pubescent real quick i can figure this out hey hey little boy evan come here and sit on my knee let me get a good look at you Stranger danger! Stranger danger! Stop squirming! <laughs> oh no! What, oh. what What? sounds are you... I, I killed him! I was just trying to get him to hold still. Uh, I look at my hand, it starts to go transparent. <laughs> no, Evan! Present day Evan! <laughs> dark. Dark place for this episode to go. Um, talking about their ages is, is solid. Is is a good segue because at at that moment, um, there the door someone knocks at the door and it's O'Greasy, who again is an older, obese man. He's come to the home where these children. He knows first of all he knows where the children live, and secondly he wants them to leave the safety and security of their home in the dead of night. And I, listeners, I wish you could imagine what he looks like standing outside their door. Evan, I just sent you a link to uh, what's on the Scooby-Doo Wikia. I'm going to hate this. It's a very <laughs> appropriate screenshot. He's such a creepy-looking dude. The only reason I think the kids are somewhat justified in not being skeeved out by him completely is that apparently he did appear in Season 1 of A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, and he had a bit of an arc in one episode of that. So he's a recurring character. Doesn't mean he's not the villain this time around. But he has appeared there. He also appeared in a comic called Hanna-Barbera Presents a Pup Named Scooby-Doo, The Pizza Delivery from Beyond. And we learned that his first name is Al there. Just a little bit of trivia. So, so O'Greasy has basically showed up to hire them. And he's not hiring them because they're the best. 
he's hiring them for two reasons. The first is that they're cheap, and the second is that they are, and as according to him, still open or still working. Uh, this is the moment that I, we kind of referred to a little earlier that makes me question, where's the authority figure for these kids? Because Fred just immediately starts negotiating. He says, like, okay, yeah, here's our rates. Let's do it. He, he says, um, since it's past our bedtime, which to me says that, like, this is late. Yeah, I assume a self-instituted bedtime. Let's say it's past nine. Let's say that their bedtime is, is 8.30. If that's their bedtime and they're out on the streets with no parental supervision, that makes me uneasy. That's pretty late. Uh, Fred says um, that because it's past their bedtime, their, their rates are up, so it's 50 cents a night. And, and I can actually... And Scooby interjects... It's gonna be snack costs too, snack expenses, which I think we've previously seen specifically in a pup named Scooby-Doo. That can verge on what, a hundred dollars? <gasps> it can get pretty steep. Um, it can get pretty steep, as Shaggy will attest. Would you like to know? <laughs> and and the gang does not give discounts for friends. How much fifty cents would cost now in the year of our Lord twenty? Well, twenty seventeen. So last year. Compared to nineteen eighty nine, I'm gonna guess fifty cents American dollars would be worth. Two dollars even. Apparently, uh, fifty cents in nineteen eighty nine would cost eighty six cents. Now. That's the equivalent value. Although you're you're Correct. saying cost as if I need to purchase the fifty cents with the eighty six. Okay, adjusting for inflation. <laughs> I, all right. I'm all going. Right. Hey, I, I need to go to the money store real quick. You mean the bank? <laughs> oh, Evan. People will never forget this. The egg on your face right now. All right. Okay. They get hired. My my favorite gag of the episode is continued because Ogreezy gives them a bucket O contract to sign. I do like the buckets, and I love one gag that's coming up too. What they do is um, he he brings the children, which again, alarm bells. You know what? Red flags. Get into my van. Get into look. It doesn't even matter what the vehicle is. It could be a sports car. Like all alternatives are bad. I, got, I have to say I disagree. Kids, if it's a sports car, if it's a sports car, or you know what, at least this, at least this. If it's a bus, get on the school. If it's a school bus, get on the bus. Doesn't matter what time of day. Doesn't matter what condition the bus is in. Doesn't matter who's driving the bus. <laughs> doesn't matter who's driving the bus. It's a school bus. That's like, believe a police officer, even if he's not in uniform and can't show you a badge. <laughs> I, I don't believe children listen to our podcast. So I think we're but, good. <laughs> I don't think we need to issue a disclaimer. Let me see. Everyone I know with a kid, including our listener who sought us out Ooh, and see, seeking a kid-friendly podcast. Actually, one of our friends listens to this in the car with her kid in the backseat. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, she, she should know better at this point than to be our friend. Um, they, they're up in, in um, his, uh, I guess, the office building. It's like a corporate building. Um, he just kind of wanted to give mm. them the rundown on like what the case is. Uh, did you want to comment on how Daphne's wealth is once again uh, exhibited? Oh, how, what what is it? I can't remember. Um, so she doesn't want to sit in one of the bucket chairs. Oh, that's right. She like snaps her fingers or calls a phone or something, and then a butler swoops in with a very uh, stately. It's like a high-backed soft chair. The thing that really stood out to me in that scene was Scooby and Shaggy's chair, if I may divert to that for a moment. Because they both jump in the same chair um, that, that Daphne had just vacated, and it kind of like vibrates under them for a second, and then it breaks. And the Foley work is what really... With, uh, with a musical... You, like, you know what Bugs Bunny does to Elmer Fudd's lips? This, this whole episode um, 
<clears throat> and I guess a lot of, I guess the show as a whole reminds me a lot of like point and click <laughs> children's video games, PC games, like from, and I've been looking into this. My brother actually bought me, thank you, Eric. Uh, he bought me one on Steam because apparently they're on there Which now. One? They're by Humongous Entertainment. Um, he got me Pajama Sam. He got me one of the Pajama Sam games. Um, I think he got me You Are What You Eat from Your from Your Head to Your Feet. That is one of those things, though, where, like, maybe you click something too much and it falls apart and a similar sort of musical cue, Just you know, because it's like, this is fun. This is it's, it's super silly and wacky, and it's that's the feeling throughout this episode is that there's not no consistency. There's no... I keep saying no base reality. There's no system or logic to anything. They're just kind of throwing wacky stuff at the wall and seeing what works. And I think you'll find, as much as that sounds like that could be an episode of Scooby-Doo, it doesn't have the kind of consistency you need. So, speaking of wackiness, <clears throat> I, I I will mention something that we should have earlier, and then sort of... Mm. So, um, Count Sh- Shockula shows up, and he's mm. really upset, because after that whole debacle took place... Um, on TV when they were. You mean the commercial, it? the commercial being the filthy, absolutely like health code violating by visuals alone commercial was interrupted by a giant hamburger, which I would think would be the saving grace for that commercial. That would yeah, be the be thing fun. people would look at it and say, "Oh, this isn't real. Oh, this is fake." Uh, the television announcer says, that, "You know, like there's been a problem with our sponsors. If if this show can't be sponsored, we can't air it," which strongly implies that. In this universe, all television is live. All of it. Even commercials are live. That didn't even occur to me. Oh, just the, the, the fact that people were crawling through the TV screen, I couldn't even see the fact that the commercial was happening live. It was live, which is why O'Greasy shows up almost immediately afterwards. It's live, and it's right down the street from like, their house. I, I, be- I believe also that the show was live, because um, Count Shakula is kind of like, Gah. You know, like, it, it's he's there in the office because he's not acting in front of rolling yeah. cameras. And I, I also want to make note, the, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I'm so sorry. The TV uh, announcer says that, uh, basically what we've been getting at, that Count Shockula is going to go off the air if Mr. O'Greasy can't sponsor him. And Fred says, no, not Count Shockula. And the announcer responds to him, yes, Count Shockula. So there's this two-way portal with the TV. I don't know. It's not not doesn't need to bear mentioning that many times, but it's uh, I guess maybe that is a little consistent with the television there. So they're meeting Count Shockula. He's apparently the lifetime like legend hero of Scooby and Shaggy. Um, he's he's really upset. He accuses O'Greasy of pu- putting on a publicity stunt, which which I guess it does look like. Mm. If there's like a hamburger monster, I think that's gonna attract some attention to your business. Um, and he's upset that all like O'Greasy bought up all the ad time on the show, which which again the ad time yeah. has been bought. What's the problem here? Mr. O'Greasy immediately went out of business as soon as that hamburger attacked, so that he could no longer sponsor Count Shockula. So spon- Count Shockula immediately went off air, but couldn't resell his ads because. Oh, Greasy, who's lost all his money, has all those ads? Like, what? Can, can you cut through this darkness, my friend? It, honestly, it, I think it's the showrunners just being like, kids don't know how TV works. So, it's fine. 
And you know what? I would give them that slack if it seemed like the showrunners knew how TV worked, or if the showrunners didn't do that with everything else. Like, eh, kids don't know how cars work. Eh, kids don't kids, know how. Kids don't know how uh, newspaper printing presses work. Kids know something, and sooner or later you're gonna hit on that thing. Uh, so that all happens. They're they're out in the building. They're out in the hallways. The burger monster shows up, and um, this is consistent with every episode of a pup named Scooby Doo that we've seen so far. It speaks. It's a speaking monster. As as inhuman as it looks. I think that's I think that's a principle we've stated before at work, which is that the monster is less scary when it talks. And I think they're putting that to use potentially intentionally here, because it does make the monster seem a bit less scary in an episode that kinda needs to soften at least one of its blows. Uh so it is it is menacing them. A Scooby gets a bucket o pepper. It's a, it's just a pepper shaker. But it has, it's like a little bucket. It says bucket of... Um, yeah. And he, he makes the monster sneeze, and it sneezes backwards onto a computer chair, and so they, they make it out safe. Um, Velma finds some stage makeup and says, Jinkies. And this is her first line on this episode. Yeah, and Daphne makes note of it. She's like, oh, Jinkies. Velma said it really early on, too. Like, normally we'd wait longer before Velma found the first clue. And by the way, this is her Blue's Clues moment. Velma found a clue. It's it's a. I wrote vampire fake blood. I assume it's actually said fake vampire blood. Fake vampire blood, which Fred initially takes to mean that the burger is fake, and he's really frustrated with that. Again, Fred only li- seems to like the supernatural and potentially pinning stuff on red herring. Who we will get to, uh, almost immediately, because they they decide we need to look for clues. Let's go to O Greasy's Bucket O Fun Restaurant, that disgusting, th- that disgusting establishment. Don't mind me, I'm just going to be making fly noises while you talk about this entire segment. Because that's the experience of being in Mr. O'Greasy's. It was maddening. This episode felt like it was 40 minutes. I had to like <laughs> check the clock and make sure this wasn't a, a Scooby-Doo movies episode. Um, Daphne has to does a little bit of Scooby bar- bargaining, Scooby snack bargaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but once Shaggy says, oh, he won't do it. Scooby just goes. He comes back and grabs the box, but it do- it doesn't become a whole like one Scooby snack, two Scooby snack. It's just one thing. He just anyway. He goes in. They're inside the restaurant. Hmm. Who should be ordering a number of buckets of food? But red herring. Red herring, and uh, for those of you who are just joining us for a pup named Scooby Doo, red herring is a curly red haired tattooed kid maybe just a little bit older than the gang, who bullies Fred, and who Fred, in turn, accuses of doing every crime they encounter, which Red Herring has never done. Um, Red Herring walks into garbage, whatever. I don't care. Uh, What I do care about is there's a character who sold Red Herring the food. His name is Skippy Johnson. He's an older man working behind the counter of a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. He has been working there for 38 years. Ah, living the dream. You've worked in food service. I have. And I can tell you the one thing every food service person hopes is that they can stay in the same spot for 38 years. <laughs> That's how you know you've made it in the food service. It's a great job if you want to stay there for 38 years. Well, because then you, you, you become the manager. Right, like oh, nobody wants to be manager. Oh, that's the thing. Is it the dream? Is you want to be like the fry? The dream is being the fry. The dream is being the the oil changing boy, the very lowest rung on the ladder, thereby having the least responsibility. Uh, Skippy Johnson um, is also the person who sells Velma. Uh, He he serves Velma her order. She orders a bucket Bucket of clues, 
which I love. Again, that, all of the bucket stuff, I love. Th that was, the bucket of clues was the moment this show won me back a little bit. To lose me later, but to win me back for a bit. Um, the bucket of clues has a footprint, a set of fingerprints, and a pizza, which Scooby promptly eats. And let me just say, those first two things sounded like they were important details that would come up later in the episode. <laughs> they do not. That You're mentioning them it almost lingered more than the episode did. Uh, they're nothing. Um, one thing, one additional item inside of the bag is another, inside of the bucket is a bag that says Barney's Bag-O-Burgers. The, the burger monster shows up again. Oh, yeah. And then we have a Scooby-Dupe. Ah, the Scooby-Doop. The Scooby-Doop here threw me because for a minute, I thought Scooby and Shaggy were not going to be involved in it. Um, Scooby-Doop, I'm just going to do this really quickly because we are trying to keep mm -hmm. this episode uh, keep it trim. running. Keep it tight. Um, Doing a little tummy tuck. The Scooby-Doop is typically, and I'll say that up front because of what this particular Scooby-Doop is, the Scooby-Doop is typically enacted by Scooby and Shaggy. Um, with the monster, they're typically um, creating a scenario with uh, roles that they've given themselves Um and the social pressures are so great that the monster immediately buys in to it. Uh, and they then use that to make their escape. Bingo bongo. And here, the Scooby-Doop begins with Fred and Daphne leading the monster to its table as uh, waiters or hosts and hostesses. They're, they're maitre d's. Maitre d's. Yeah, it, it is fancy. And they're dressed very smartly. Very smartly. And they're very French. They're pulling off the Scooby-Doop so well, I'm okay with it. Even though I don't think so far in our tenure as the Scooby-Doods, we've seen anyone but Scooby and Shaggy do a dupe. Outside of 13 Ghosts, which I consider its own thing entirely. Right. They're sort of like, you know, uh, Monsieur, like, come sit over here. They're putting on offensive accents. Um, they sit the burger monster down. Uh, Shaggy says, our chef is coming. Scooby's the chef. He's cooking table side, which I think is mm. nice. Um, and he uses some kind of kitchen device that has been... Um, it's been clamped to the tray, to the push cart yeah. that he has. And he sprays the monster with vegetation. I'm rewatching it right now because or there's a okay. It's a juicer. He's, okay, I don't think our our listeners have a very different idea when you say juicer. <laughs> you mean I'm saying it's someone who does steroids? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think they're just imagining a more high tech gadget. Do you know what I mean? No, you're right. No, it's in fact a juicer is more high tech than this is. This is I think a uh, uh, burger, a burger grinder? Oh, it does look like a meat grinder. You're exactly right. I like think it's a meat grinder. Hand it's a hand-cranked mm -hmm. meat grinder. But it's not meat that, again, that Scooby uh, No, it's, he just crams some vegetables in it, and this very green liquid spurts out. Spurt, only word that could be used for that mm, action. It's debatable. <laughs> uh, and they make their escape. Um, mm -hmm. they, they then, like you said, they meet Barney, who is, uh, his, his full name is Arnie Barney. Yeah. And they meet, the, the way they meet him is that Scooby leans on his, uh, cart and his elbow hits, uh, some mustard, which then, well, there's no way it's, to say it. He, it spurts all over okay, Shaggy. That I can't agree with. <laughs> okay. And it's, and given that it's, it's mustard, which is, um, you know, like this is this is a plant that we use used to create gas that was used in wars. It gets in Shaggy's eyes, nose, mouth, and he starts screaming. 
And that's the thing. It's like, that's not funny. These, 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 these creators of this show don't know how extreme is too extreme. It's almost funny in and of itself. It almost is. That doesn't actually happen. That doesn't actually happen. I believed it. Oh, you made me believe it because that was my... It was such a weird fever dream of an episode. It really was, yeah. I don't know what was real. Uh, He does get squirted with mustard, but it's just like, oh, I'm covered in mustard. Also something that I I had forgotten that this episode had been done with the entire gang wearing their pajamas the entire time. Correct. And Scooby has just a pajama shirt, which certainly makes him look more naked. He's Winnie the Poohing it. He's Winnie the Poohing it, which makes him look really naked. Um, so Arnie Barney used to be the king of fast food. And uh, his his thing was that he would sell you bags of food. Like a bag of, so bag of fries. Or, or as, as he motions, a bag of soup. And these are paper bags, oh, mind you. O'Greasy o- showed up and he raised the stakes, I guess, because of his bucket technology. And that's mm-hmm. what like, that's how he... He basically put Barney out of business. And Barney's real bitter about this. Like, it's so many people whose products should have failed, like, deserve to fail. I'm glad they failed. So, basically what happens is they're with Arnie Barney. O'Greasy pulls up in his limo, says some stuff. And then um, Scooby goes off in the opposite direction of Shaggy. And he finds these buckets. And they're like, oh, there's a trail of buckets that goes off into the distance. So they follow it. And that trail leads them to Shockula's house, which is how we know how his name is spelled. Because there's a little, it's not a billboard, but there's a very gaudy sign outside of this house that says Shockula on it. Scooby and Shaggy fight over who's going to ring the doorbell. Then Velma just rings it and it plays. Scooby and Shaggy turn white. They jump way up into the air. They're caught amazingly, respectively. Shaggy is caught by Fred. Scooby is caught by Daphne. Velma catches no one. You know what throws me about what them jumping into the air? Is they jump up into the air before they could rightly recognize what the doorbell okay, was playing. Okay, thank you. I was not going to say anything about it because I'm like, no, this is nitpicky, Luke. But no, it goes, dun, dun. And then they're like, ah! Like, hey, that could be anything. <laughs> like, like, I didn't even know what it was. That could be ice, ice. Like, that could be, you have yeah. no idea. Dun, 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 Thank you, Evan, for not for letting us hit no, that. I, I also, I, I share that sentiment. Yes. So they open the door, and instead of Shockula... But by the burger monster. So we now have good reason to, really good reason to suspect Count Shockula for this. And there is a special announcement bulletin that comes down. An announcer tells us... What's he tell us? The frightful reaction you are about to see is performed by professionals. Do not try this at home. And now we have a musical chase scene, which I gotta say I kind of like because it has original music with lyrics. It is it is a wonderfully poppy, upbeat song, and it might it's might be the highlight of this episode. Outside of the bucket gag, it's it's something about like there being a haunted hamburger, and like that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants a haunted hamburger. It's so fun. Yeah, did you Google the lyrics? Um, I did not. Do you have them? There's no point in Googling them because it can't be Googled. I had to copy them down by. Uh... Not by hand, I typed him out, but musical chase scene. Let me just get the tune. I just want to hear this for a moment. Wait, are you serious? Wait, could you not find it? I could not find this on Google. He's got a nasty disposition. He's coming on a spooky haunted mission. Got lots of legs and a ghoulish toasted bun. He's coming round just to have some spooky fun. Silly sauce and cheese. Pickles if you please. Haunted hamburger. 
Haunted Hamburger won't be late for a spooky, ghouly, ghastly date. If you see him, just don't hesitate. Better run and hide. He's got a ghostly appetite for some scary nom around midnight. He's a kooky, spooky sight. Gotta have it. Gotta have a Haunted Hamburger. Haunted Hamburger. Uh, allow me to take the time to roast you for um, saying, hold on, let me get the tune and then saying all of the lyrics almost devoid of any tune whatsoever. That's exactly how it sounds. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me get the tune. All right, I got it. I got it. Okay, hold on. It's Ice Ice, ice, ice baby. baby. Ice Ice Baby. I don't know the other words <laughs> to that song. <laughs> hang on, let me take a moment to roast you, Evan. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. Those are all the lyrics of Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> um, they, they make their way into, into a zoo, uh, and Scooby ends up sitting on something sharp which velma pulls out and it's a bucket shaped pin with a with that says number one on it Mm. they then have a plan and the plan is to film a new commercial for ogreezies in that disgusting restaurant and immediately like as soon as they start filming the hamburger shows up do you have anything to say about the commercial first one thing i do want to say is the first time the hamburger sees them the hamburger basically tells them to drop the case Mm. Like, that's all he's saying to these kids. It's like, drop the case. Like, don't take this case. Pretty much, I was just going to say the hamburger appears and scares them, and then they're off chased again. At times, it's implied that the gang needs a ride everywhere. Other times, they just get around. They're running around at night, and um, and, and I guess the, Fred has, has crafted probably one of the crudest traps I've ever seen, which is basically that... In, and, and this is a really, really fascinating change of pace actually mm. in that um fred velma and daphne are the ones running from the monster and, they're the bait and that's set up i think so that scooby and shaggy can be the ones to trigger the trap and we can watch them do that with their uh their current spat exacerbating their 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 situation exactly there, there's a little wooden platform atop of which has been balanced a bucket oh ketchup it's huge it's an enormous bucket mm-hmm. and they need to push it onto the monster but yeah, they're both arguing, so they're doing a horrible job. And I have to say, this bucket of ketchup, I, part of what I like about it is that it looks like a little cup of ketchup. You know what I mean? Like what you'd squirt full One at Wendy's. One of little like, paper, like at McDonald's. Exactly, it's shaped like that. Also, fun fact, listeners, you can kind of like peel the, uh, the folds of that and open it way up. It blooms like a flower. <laughs> you can hold so much ketchup. Life hacks. Yeah. Life hacks with the Scooby-Doo. Every time I go to the... Anyway... Um, it's the crudest of traps. This is a real primitive Fred, and that's one thing I do like about Pup Named Scooby-Doo. And, and they, they don't end up, um, pushing it. And the monster is like, here, let me help you with that. And he pushes, um, the bucket of ketchup, but in the opposite direction, so that it splashes over them. It splashes literally over Scooby and Shaggy, missing them completely, and washing all over the remainder, remaining gang. I don't know what the ketchup physics of this episode are, the physics in general are all off the chain. The part that really disturbed me was the moment that followed. I, right before we get there, just a tiny, tiny aside, Daphne, sa- Daphne who has this mm-hmm. bathrobe that she wants to show off, is just like, oh, like, oh, yeah. the ketchup, it, like, it's going to stain. Um, but she said it with the hope that maybe it, she could get it off in time. And as someone who has spilled ketchup on his clothing, hmm. Daphne, your bathrobe is done. Well, her bathrobe is pink. I, it will not matter. Her bathrobe is pink, and I think she has the option of rolling in the ketchup now. So, that <laughs> so it's one even stain. It's full coverage. Yep, that's all you got to do. Uh, but 
you were saying that the, um, a disturbing scene follows. Is this where Scooby and Shaggy lean back? The monster takes Shaggy. Burger, like, growls at Scooby and Shaggy, who fall back so that they're in a crab walk position. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do, I do. I they do. do, they're in crab walk position. They're on their hands on their, are touching the ground, but so are their feet. But like with their stomach arched in the air, as if they're offering their groins to the hamburger. <laughs> and then we cut to their top, just the torso up. We don't see what's below the waist. And it's, why, what was the point of choreographing this? Like, it, again, it makes me seem like the, the, cartoon, the cartoonists of this episode are just throwing stuff against the wall. Just right, like, right. Put the cartoonists the... are the weird perverts, not you. Yeah, it's not me. The... <laughs> it's not me, right? Right, Evan? You know what? Forget you, Evan. Little boy, Evan, come here. Come here, Evan. Little boy, Evan, what do you think of me? <laughs> Little boy, Evan. <laughs> you killed him Little earlier. Little boy, Evan, why aren't you moving? Little boy, Evan, speak to me! I don't me. know if you've edited that out, but that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's one of our listeners who's going to hate this so I'm much. I'm sorry about that, listeners. Here, let me fix that. Uh, let me... In fact, I do feel like I need to s- set something straight with one of our listeners. I feel really bad for her, so... <laughs> I feel like I should warn them. Um, the burger monster... Little... <laughs> listen to me, little... Don't say their child's name on the air. Just listen to Uncle Lukey. <laughs> okay, are you leaving this in? It's getting heavily bleeped if it does stay. Okay. The, the burger monster grabs Shaggy and runs away. Yes, and Scooby, to save Shaggy, goes over to a nearby... He runs back He runns back to O'Greasy's Bucket O' Fun. Here's the thing, Scooby orders two items. He orders a Bucket O' Onions and a Bucket O' Glue. O'Greasy's is kind of a general store. Like, it's a Walmart, but with buckets. And it's not really clear what happens next. I, th- I think he, he covers the Bucket of Onions in the glue, and then gives the bucket to the monster. And then I guess it sticks to the monster's hand, and the monster is so grossed out by it that it runs into quicksand. It makes so little sense. And I do think you need to give kids some credit that they like stuff that makes a bit of sense. I don't think any kid is like, you know what's going to put off this monster? Holding a bucket of onions. The problem with this show is that I feel like as a kid, if I were watching this, and in fact, you know what? Here, little boy Luke, why don't you take this one? Come here, little boy Luke. Uh, thank you, uh, Big Lukey. Uh, even as a kid, if I watch this, I think that I like stuff that makes logical sense. And if there's no base reality that's consistent, I can't recognize what's silly for a kid or what's an actual reality of an adult world that this show was presenting. Uh, are, you, are you getting older as and, you're speaking. And I think that what I really like about the later shows is that uh, they get a little bit more of a sense <laughs> of identity. You, why do you become like a California? A, I was going to say a California bro and then Valley Girl. <laughs> so they've caught the monster. They're back for whatever reason in O'Greasy's. There's a police officer there. Thank the Lord. He's wearing a uniform, but again, if he wasn't, that would be fine. We would still trust him. Fred, we have enough time for Fred to accuse Red Herring falsely. It's not Red Herring. And for Velma to correct him. Velma straight destroys Fred. 
she she like takes out a little calculator and she's like, Fred, this is the six hundred and forty seventh time you've been wrong this month. Congratulations. And Fred takes it as a big compliment. Wow, thank you. Um, one thing that I really like about the show a pup named Scooby Doo is they, they take a blues clues slash Dora the Explorer esque take on the mystery where they're just like, Who is it, kids? Do you know? Is it um mm-hmm. Count Shocula? Is it uh, Arnie Barney? Is it... Who's the third person? Uh, Skippy Johnson. Skippy Johnson is the one person that they don't say it might be. Because that is who it is, yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) They maybe mentioned Jenkins, Mr. O'Greasy, Red Herring, Arnie Barney. I think that's everyone there is. Um, But it's actually Skippy Johnson, the old man who worked at Mr. O'Greasy's. For 38 years. In 38 years, he never got a raise. And that's why he decided to dress up in a hamburger costume. To put Mr. O'Greasy out of business by interrupting him in a commercial that probably would have got Mr. O'Greasy put out of business if it had been allowed to play all the way through. Uh, Daphne, the smart-mouthed child that she is, asks um, Skippy why he didn't just quit and get a real job. Which is like, huh? I, di- I didn't think of that. <laughs> I mean, working in the service industry is he, a real job. He, she did not. Did she say real Why job? Why did you just quit and get a real job? Why didn't you just quit and get a real job? I thought she said another job. Give me a. Oh, do, do you want to? Yeah. Give me. Fa- give me one second. Fact check me, bro. Why didn't you just quit and find a better job? Okay. All right. So I, right. I transcribed that incorrectly. So Evan. Why do you hate people in the service industry? Why don't you think of it as a okay? You know what? Real job. I hate. I hate hmm? one person who used to work in the service industry. Hmm. And why is that? I wonder. <laughs> they are. They are paid fifty cents by Mr. O'Greasy for solving the mystery in a bucket of cash. And Fred. Here's the thing. Fred is actually given like a bucket of like wacky ideas or something, which is not indicated to be a part of the payment but which is certainly enjoyed by Fred. Yeah, like that, he would love that. For him, it was all worth it for that alone. I missed that somehow. So that happens, and then Mr. O'Greasy, like, then sweetens the deal. He adds to the 50 cents um, one additional item, which is next week's special, which is a bucket of stewed tomatoes. It looks, to be fair, like the most appetizing thing that's appeared on screen all episode, with the possible exception of the glue. Uh, and then, and then they go back to the Rogers house, and uh, and then there's the whole thing. Oh, we can't remember what we were fighting about, and then that's yeah. It. But pretty much, they're watching Count Shockula. Scooby is like Shaggy's like, oh yeah, Scooby, what were we fighting about? Oh, I don't remember. Do you? One thing also, as we zoom in on that house, there's Christmas lights up on it. What? True story. There's Christmas lights, and there is a a cutout of Santa and his reindeer on the house. Which makes me think this is a really like low class house that has year round lights, maybe. Although it probably takes place in California, so we don't know. Okay, hold on. Low class house. This is a. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, like a poor person house, like a peasant house. Is this the ghetto? Year round Christmas <laughs> lights, Evan. The HOA Dude, really is not very don't active. Like that you went to ghetto. I was gonna. I thought you were. You know. I think. The smart thing to do would have gone down to like hovel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mid- the Middle Ages. I, 
I wanted to say trashy and I wanted to surpass that. I wanted to bypass that and go somewhere worse. And <laughs> see now I should not have done that. Don't say that it's worse. Like the it's very heavily Oh, you know. Get it, it's a mean term. I said to mean I can't okay, I can't say mean stuff. I can't acknowledge the stuff I said was mean. <laughs> what am I allowed to do if I'm not allowed to be a jerk and then say what a jerk I was? Okay. That is that is the end of the episode. That is, that is the end of what I have already dubbed once in this episode to be a fever dream. I agree with you, and I hope as I look back on this, I consider it a fever dream and not an actual experience that I had. Listeners, let us be your filter for this one. I, I, I hope. I hope you've let us be your filter for this one and just listened to us and not seen it. I mean, you literally told them at the top of this episode to watch it first. I'm cutting that. That is not going to appear in the intro. All right. Um, Want to just get into the outro? Uh, Is there a good spot for us to cut you know what I mean? Is there a good spot for, like, the musical cue before the outro begins? I think after that last thing I said is where I imagine me cutting it. Okay, alright. Okay. If um, that's good with you. No, whatever, man. Hi, welcome to the outro. We told such an amazing joke at the top of this episode in the intro, there is... There can't possibly be a, the need for another joke now. Evan, you're already being too charming. Let's just let's play this one straight because, <laughs> frankly, we just need to let the intro stand on its own legs. I, I, even referencing it kind of sullies it a little bit, so it stands on its own. Uh, so the outro is where we will tell you, the listeners, how you can find out more about us, the Scooby Dudes. Yes. Uh, for one thing, here's a place you can follow up with us to get more Scooby Dudes content. Start with ScoobyDudes.com. It's our website. It's a place where you can view all of our episodes. You can view original art every week. You can view uh, corrections, show notes, funny screenshots with captions, as well as a portal to all of our other contact. And for the art specifically, let's get a note on that. Yeah, so this, uh, we still have Claire, who's still doing our art. You can find her on Tumblr, Sparemoon, S-P-A-R-E-M-O-O-N.tumblr.com, doing amazing, phenomenal work. We're so glad that she decided to partner with us enormously talented please go give her appreciation for the collaboration she's done with us and again check us out at scoobydudes.com where else can they find us evan also do that same thing but on facebook like us on facebook facebook.com slash scoobydudes always posting stuff on there and a lot of the same stuff gets posted to twitter scooby dudes uh the scooby dudes on twitter we are at the scooby dudes um also uh we have a little something called yeah we have patreon not a Patreon. We have Patreon. We own Patreon. Listeners, real quick. Evan and I now have controlling interest in Patreon. We just bought. We sold all our cryptocurrencies and we put it all that all that money into Patreon. <laughs> cryptocurrencies. I was sorting through... You know I was sorting through my coins today. I found... Do you seriously have coins? I, well, all of those coins. I You know, that bucket of change. Oh, shoot. I thought you meant <laughs> cryptocurrency <laughs> coins. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, Evan. I mean that I found a penny from, like, 1919. <laughs> That's a cryptocurrency. Oh, man. Um, but uh, we Patreon, visit us, Scooby Dudes. Um, you gotta do it because we give you new, additional, related Scooby-Doo content exclusive to your donation level if you donate to us on Patreon, and it helps us keep our podcast going and pay our artists. One of our features every week that we haven't brought up in a little while is a little something called Luke's Finest. Oh, Luke's Finest. You know what? 
Can I can I read an old Luke's finest just to give an example? You certainly can. I mean, we're trying to keep this short, but I but you've written some short ones, so, so I, I'll I'll read the on. shortest one I can read. Luke's finest are modeled after a type of joke I told in high school, which, after being derided and hated for quite a while, I think came around. They had a second life for how bad they were. Um. Clarence was a precocious child. Clever and quick were the least of his talents. He had the uncanny ability to predict the future, but nothing made him happier than indulging in new forms of entertainment. One evening, Clarence's mother asked him, What is your preference, Clarence? Watch newfangled moving pictures on the talk box? Or reveal one of your phantasmical prophecies? Clarence responded, Tell a vision. Is this one of those moments where you're clapping so that you know where to go back in the audio file to cut something out? I'm just going to copy and paste that clapping many, many times in. It's going to sound like my Patreon scream, but with claps. You're going to put it in an audio cue of like a crowd cheering. Um, so that's, that's an example of Luke's finest. And I will say that's not remotely my strongest. I came out with two that I'm pretty proud of this last week. I, and and I will say, as someone who hate loved them, oh, hate I don't like them. that phrase. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like, I'm gonna bleep this, but hate, <laughs> right? That's what you don't yeah. like about it. It does. I, uh, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it. Okay. Um, we we rely on our patrons. We like to show our appreciation mm. for them every single week by saying their names, and we do have a new name to add to that list. So we actually have a new patron named Sean. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for donating to our podcast, and uh, I assume for listening to our podcast. Yeah, big ups, big ups to Sean. Uh, and here are the rest of our donors. Yeah. Thank you to those people. Uh, one last thing I want to mention is that uh, we really appreciate if you would write us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, if you do that, Evan will read whatever you write on air on the podcast because it really helps us get greater visibility for our project. Here, here's a little something that I was not aware you could do. I mean, I assumed that, that you could delete reviews. That makes sense. Maybe you find mm-hmm. out something that you don't like and you... Oh, and, and Luke, for your information, someone did not delete a review. Okay. You really scared me there. I was like, oh, who did I, who did what, I shame into deleting the review? What someone did was they edited their review. What? Really? Um, it's still five stars. But but I can tell because it's different copy and it was posted on December 29th. What's that? Which is well out. It's so it's from Scooby Saves. The title of the review is still Scooby. Don't under any circumstance miss out on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But the copy of the review now says, in a way that does not speak well to our podcast at all. The red mystery machine from Thirteen Ghosts and Ghoul School is the one true mystery machine. What? What? You came back to the iTunes review for that? That's why you came back? <laughs> okay, by the way, Scooby Saves, please don't delete your review. Delete it! Oh, yeah, I went through our iTunes just to make sure, because I only get emails once a month for new reviews. So I was check I check America and Canada weekly, and then I find yeah. out globally every month uh, if people have left reviews. But that's the new review. Yeah, so, anyways, you know, write us a five-star review. We'll appreciate whatever it is. If you edit it like that, then like this person, I will tell you to delete it. Take don't, it off. Okay. Please, Get rid of it. Please don't delete any reviews. <laughs> Unless, 
don't delete any five star reviews. Okay, yeah, I, I will say you don't need to edit your reviews. To, Just send us to, an email. To, send us an email. You know, let's say that. ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com is your way of not having to edit your iTunes review to give us your what, input. What an inefficient <laughs> means of communication. The red mystery machine. That's where you're yeah, gonna like like this is how it is. Um oh they edit God. their five star review, we respond on air, they edit their five star review, we respond on air. This is not this is not a good means of exchanging ideas. Luke, the red mystery machine from Thirteen Ghosts and Ghoul School is the one true mystery machine. What aren't you getting? If whoever wrote that review, if you listen to this episode with the stuff I said in this episode, and that's the qualm you have with us, I'm okay that you edited your review to just reflect that. So you know what? Keep it. <laughs> ah, how are you doing, little boy Evan? Uh, oh, is that, did you move? Is he, are you breathing? Hang on, he's not dead. Who? <laughs> <laughs>